When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Field, that one's called to the right. Hunter on the move, racing back. It's over his head. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. This is Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. I think it would be a big statement if John Farrell started Travis Shaw on opening day, and I'd be totally cool with it, because I think it would, it, it, if that doesn't give Sandoval motivation to, to play better defense and play better, period, nothing will. I think they're going to make Jeter that first unanimous vote, and I hate that about baseball writers. If you belong in the Hall of Fame, you get voted in the Hall of Fame. Achievement or a new milestone. They don't just be like, hey, we, we signed this player, so we're going to have a ceremony. Like, no, no. Like Now, to your hosts. Welcome to another edition of Red Sox Beat on CLNS Radio. Different voice this time, not your typical lead-in here. I am Jess Thomas alongside Lauren Campbell. Jared Scally is enjoying himself at Firefly's Music Festival. Can't say I really understand what that is because I really don't know a whole lot about it, but he's there, so he's not here. So it's just the two of us here today, so I will be your lead host today. And don't worry, you're in capable hands. I've done it before, so I could probably do it again. Anyway... This uh, episode of Red Sox Beat is brought to you by Loot Crate. The onslaught of big summer blockbusters makes June the perfect time to celebrate some of the pop culture's unstoppable, unrelenting, and unbeatable characters and objects. We've got something for you to carry, something for your kitchen, and a cool figure to go with our monthly teen pin featuring two Marvel teams plus Warcraft and Dragon Ball Z. No one crate should have all this power. You get a monthly subscription box service for epic geek and gamer items and pop culture gears for less than $20 a month. You get six to eight items that include licensed gear. So make sure you head over to lootcrate.com slash CLNS and enter code CLNS to save $3 on any new subscription. All right, now we are back here. Red Sox beat June 19th. Happy Father's Day, everyone. You're not a father, but how are you doing, Laura? <laughs> I'm doing well, Jess. How are you doing? Good. I'm not a father either. You are not. <laughs> I wonder if you are. Are you trying to fool us over there? Surprise! I know I know. with all your gym stuff, some people think you're a pretty manly woman, so... <laughs> right, and all my sports knowledge, so it's only a... Yeah. I'm not surprised. So maybe you're a father. Maybe I am. Then again, even if you were a guy, you wouldn't necessarily be a father, because I'm not, so... <laughs> you're a fur baby father. Yes, so... I have two fur babies. And I have a fur Those baby, my... but... Yeah, a dog. Yep, but still not a father. An even furrier baby. Yep. Either way, we're here, and hopefully you're here listening to us. So, uh, yeah, it was it was a uh, tough start to the week. Definitely got better. Ended on a two and one upswing, three and three total. Not great for home, but as we said, playing tough teams, so not bad. And a three and three week. I think what did I say at the end of the last show? I said a three and three week and better would be a good week. So they got the bottom of the best week. I think that's not too bad. No, you did say that. That's funny. I was thinking that you said. You, you would accept a three and three week because of the teams were playing and with the pitching rotation kind of being up in the air at that point still last week during our show. So three and three week, I'll take it. We're in second place, still going strong. So yeah, I think we'll definitely take it, uh, especially how it started, obviously. So uh, I guess we'll just jump right in here and uh, well, actually, I should tell you all the. Do the whole following thing: follow us on Facebook at Red Sox Beat Podcast, Twitter at Red Sox underscore Beat. 
Tumblr, subscribe, rate, review, iTunes, and Stitcher. Sorry, I'm not as smooth as uh, Mr. Scally is because he does a little more, but... That's where you can find us. You can find me on Twitter at CLNS underscore Jesse, and you can find Lauren at la 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 L A U R R R R E N. You did it. I'm good at that. I haven't looked at it in months either. It's just ingrained in my memory. I'm so proud. <laughs> Thank you. So that's where you can find us. Um, hope you'll enjoy last week's show with Dan Roach. It was great. And a little uh, teaser here we'll be having the great Bob Halloran on a week from today, on the 26th. And as many of you probably know, we had him on with just me and Lauren uh, a couple months ago, and the recording didn't work. So it was a lost show. We told everyone what he said, so you should have been able to get a little sense of what he said. But next week, we will all be on board. Jared will be recording, and we will not have any problems. And you will be able to hear Bob yourself, his actual voice. I can't wait. I'm excited for that. He was such a great guest the last time you and I had him on, and it's a shame that recording got lost in uh, in space somewhere, but I'm excited to have him back on. I know. It'll be fun. I'm, I'm excited. And thank him for being a good sport for coming back on so soon after after losing that show. So Bob's great, and uh, definitely look forward to that show. But for now, for this show, we'll talk about this week. Orioles-Red Sox was the first series of the week. Uh, the teams were tied for first when the series started. Uh, so it doesn't get much more exciting than that. First matchup on Tuesday after the off day Monday was David Price and Chris Tillman. Great matchup. Tillman was uh, eight and one at this point. Uh, Price was seven and three. So a really good matchup. Um, and it, the, it, it turned out to be just what we expected it to be. Uh, it was a pitcher's duel. The Orioles got up two nothing in the first. Manny Machado on the uh, third hitter of the night hit a two run homer, squeaked it around Pesky's pole. Pretty weak home run. Only a homer in Fenway. It was barely over 300 feet. Made it two nothing. Unfortunately, the Red Sox can never get back to a tie. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. hit a home run in the bottom of the seventh. For the, that was the next run after after Machado. Um, it was two to one after that. David Price retired 19 in a row throughout the middle innings. Chris Tillman retired 12 in a row. They were both totally dominating. Uh, unfortunately, one bad pitch from Price in the eighth inning. Jonathan Scoop or Shoop, excuse me. Scope. Uh, scope. Yep, <laughs> that too. <laughs> <laughs> he hit a solo home run and made it 3-1, to one. unfortunately a half inning after Bradley hit his home run. So uh, Sox got one back in the eighth, Hanley Ramirez, RBI single, but that was it. That's all he could get. Uh, tough luck loser for Price. He pitched eight innings, five hits, three runs, zero walks, 11 strikeouts. Unfortunately, Tillman, seven innings, five hits, one run, two walks, seven strikeouts. So although Price probably had better numbers, unfortunately, the uh, Orioles won where the runs matter. So that was a real tough game to lose. Price pitched really well. Yeah, and it was nice to see that he could pitch well without giving up 18 runs and striking out 12. And it was nice to see him pitch like an ace. And it's unfortunate that they lost the way they did. But it's nice to see he had some confidence on the mound. And we'll obviously talk about his next start in a couple games. So Yeah, it was it's definitely becoming a trend. Uh for several starts in a row, Price pitched really well, and the offense didn't give him any runs, which is obviously exactly the opposite of what happened the previous, you know, first six or seven starts of the season where he was terrible, yet he was still undefeated for several games because the offense gave him so many runs. So I guess that's just everything evening out. You know, the baseball gods gave him a lot of run support. And then they said, all right, now you're pitching well. We're not going to give you any more run support anymore. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> that's how baseball works. It really is. <laughs> This brought us into Wednesday, where uh, both your hosts here were both at this game, so we can really tell you from first-hand experience about this one. Um, and fortunately for us, it was the only game that the Sox won in the series, and we get to see it. So that was nice. Um, a lot of runs early for the Red Sox in this game. Uh, the pitching matchup was was uh, Kevin Gosman against Stephen Wright. Gosman for the Orioles. I uh, pitched well in the first inning, and then after that, uh, Travis Shaw hit an RBI double in the second inning. Uh, a liner opposite field to the left. Made it one nothing. Then the third inning, Gosman had all kinds of trouble. Xander Bogarts hit an infield single for an RBI. Uh, the defense couldn't do anything on it. Ortiz got an RBI single after that and a rocket to right field. That made it 3 nothing. And then the big, big bomb, Hanley Ramirez absolutely annihilated a ball. Way the heck over the monster. Six nothing, three run homer, and all of a sudden after three innings it was already six nothing. Happened fast, didn't it? Oh, so fast. It was that Hanley Ramirez home run. I just I feel like I didn't even see it leave. 
I just, I heard it, and then it was like, where'd it go? It just, it got out so fast, but it was so fun to watch, and it was nice to see Travis Shaw kind of get it started with, especially how he was in the slump, so it was nice to see him push that first run across, and then just have the rest of the team build off that, and just give us a really good, fun few innings early. Yeah, that was that was a really fun um, couple innings. Sox batted around in the third inning, six runs, nine hitters. It's funny, Mookie Betts started the inning, and then he also started the fourth inning, so... That was funny. Like you said, Shaw, Shaw kind of getting getting going was also really huge. So, and what it all, but it did ultimately was gave Stephen Wright a lot of run support. And if he has any run support, he just runs wild. And uh, he threw a shutout through six innings. Uh, the Orioles finally got a run in the seventh. Adam Jones hit a two-run homer, first home run Wright's given up in a while. He's hardly given up any this year. So that was that was uh, definitely a rare thing. Fortunately, with the six-nothing lead, didn't matter as much. So that was six to two. Uh, the Orioles actually got two more runs in the eighth on a Matt Wieters double and Jonathan Scope RBI single. Made it 6-4. to four. The third run was given to uh, Stephen Wright. It was an inheritor runner scoring off Tozawa. So Tozawa did not pitch well. Two-thirds of an inning, two hits, one earned run, but he gave up Wright's last run also. Fortunately, Craig Kimbrell came in, blew him away, got the save in a 6-4 win. Sox didn't score after the third inning, but they didn't need to because you know, Stephen Wright doesn't give up runs. Oh, my God. I was so happy to see him pitch. He's so, so good. And I said this last week, just I could watch that knuckleball all day. And it was super fun to watch it live because he looked fun. I mean, you can say sometimes the knuckleballers are boring or whatever, but uh, he was he was rolling so good that it was fun to watch. Uh, he only had one walk. He didn't have a walk for the first six innings, which is obviously rare for knuckleball. He had no walks and no wild pitches or pass balls. That's when you know you're rolling. Exactly. And then you said, you know, it's rare to not give up walks. It's rare to not have any pass balls or wild pitches, especially if you're a knuckleballer. So it's nice to see the communication between pitcher and catcher and just to see them both locked in. So very good start. And Stephen Wright's just been so consistent and so just dominant this entire season and for someone who wasn't even supposed to be in the rotation I just I don't ever want him to leave it's unbelievable the ERA is 222 and that went up which is hilarious that's when you know your ERA is good when you give up three runs and seven and a third innings and your ERA actually goes up that's terrifying really good <laughs> yeah it's uh it's it's funny because when I after I saw his ERA and I was like oh my that that went up and it's still really good yeah, I mean, at one point in the game when he was throwing the shot out for the six innings, his ERA actually got under two. At one point in the game, he's at 199. I was like, wow, we're sitting here in the exact smack dab middle of June, and his ERA is not even two. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. And if, I'm sure we'll touch on this a little later, but if he does not get into that all-star game, then I'm going to be very upset. Oh, I'm just thinking about starting it. I just don't see any way, there's any possible way that he could not make it. There's no way. Nick said there's no way. And, why the, you you can't overlook that ERA. You, you just can't. You can't, and he's really just been so consistent all season. You can look at like wins, like Chris Sale, I'd see like ten and two or something. Not sure what ERA is. It's probably pretty low too. But I know that at the start of this game, he had the lowest ERA in the league, and obviously when it went down to one ninety nine, it was definitely the tops of the league. I believe he's second right now. But you gotta strongly consider he's got to be in the top two or three candidates to start the game. If he doesn't make the team, I'm going to call up the league office and ask him who the heck does their <laughs> does their all-star stuff because that's just that's just wrong. Yeah, and Chris Sale is 11 and 2 with a 294 ERA. So he's, you know, Okay, so his ERA's way lower. Yep. <laughs> and you know, less wins and but still it's like I know Chris Sale got a better record, but that ERA's almost 3 and then here's Steven Wright with, you know, barely over 2. Yeah, and I know the White Sox were good earlier in the year, but whose team's better? Stephen Wright. Exactly. Or like seven, eight games better. So that's a huge difference. Yep. Five or six games. We have like, I don't know, like six or seven more wins than them. So, yeah, it's it's great. He's He totally deserves it. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to see him make it because I have pretty much confidence that he's going to make it. I would be, like I said, seriously concerned if he didn't. Um, some offensive numbers for that game. Mookie Betts, Dustin Pedroia, Xander Bogarts, David Ortiz, and Haley Ramirez all had two hits in that game. Pretty awesome. That is nice. Nice to see that those those names, and especially like Pedroia and, you know, obviously Ortiz. You can't go over and, and Hanley, who's been struggling. Yeah, and that was nice to see him. Huge. You know, that, that home run. I can't get over that. It was nice to see him hit a home run. Totally. They all had at least one run, too. Hanley had two. The rest of them had one. 
So that was a great game. Um, we were happy to go to it. And then we had Thursday's game, which you also <laughs> went to. This one, not so good. Um, <laughs> 5-1 Orioles win. Red Sox had four hits in the game. They had two hits going into the ninth inning. This was probably the worst offensive game of the season. They just couldn't do anything. Tyler Wilson was the pitcher. He threw eight innings, three hits, no runs, one walk, six strikeouts. And this is the same Tyler Wilson that did terrible against the Red Sox like a week and a half ago. He gave up a ton of runs. He was awful. And now all of a sudden he was like the best pitcher in the league. Yeah, when I when I saw that he was pitching, I was like, oh, okay, like this should be this should be a win. We should get some runs, and then you know, a couple innings go by. I'm like, okay, still no runs, still no runs. Like, okay, now at you know by the seventh, eighth, ninth inning, I'm like, I just don't want to be in a shutout anymore. Yeah, you go from being like, oh, we can rough this guy up to is this guy ever going to kill a run? Yep. <laughs> Pretty big difference, unfortunately. Yeah, so he pitched really well, and on the other side. Eduardo Rodriguez certainly did not. He gave up five runs, eight hits, and only four in the third innings. We'll get to him more. I don't want to talk about him yet, um, but he was really bad this game. Clay Buckholz was the star of this game. Three innings, two hits, four strikeouts. Um, I missed the end of the game. How do you look? Because his numbers sure are good. Um, he looked good. He, I was kind of surprised um, just from how he was pitching and obviously his whole, like, clearly not being happy about being in the bullpen, but he looked good. He poised and you know his numbers it was nice to see positive numbers from him especially because you know he and i are are still fans of buckles yeah and this is why like he just sucks it up he goes to the bullpen and he's had several good outings yeah you gotta respect that at least oh yeah and and another thing you gotta respect about him is that he's still pushing through no matter what he's been through this season and he's just sure he's been he hasn't been the most positive but he's just continued to push through yeah, I mean that's embarrassing if you're if you're a guy who's been on the team for nine years and you get put in the bullpen. That's not a good feeling. I wouldn't be happy about that. I mean, even if I pitched as bad as him, just knowing that you got pushed to the bullpen after you've been there for so long, that's got to hurt for anybody. I don't care how fragile you are. I know he's fragile, but that's that's still a deal for any human being to get put in the bullpen. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt at all. So I don't blame him for that. I don't blame him for anything. I never do. I'm just way too biased. I don't know what it is. It's just I just. I don't know. There's something I like about him. I've always liked something about him, and I don't know what it is, but it is. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry uh, with you. I, I don't know why I can't let go of him. I know. It's so weird. I'm glad that you have the same sentiment because nobody else does, but it's, I don't know. I, something about him always gives me hope. Just, I don't know. Just, I, I can't let go of how filthy his stuff is sometimes, and I always look for to see that again, and he brings it out every now and then. It's, it's I don't know. It's, he's can be such a good pitcher. And he's capable of being a good pitcher, and we've seen that. He just needs to be consistent. That's right. So in this game, Adam Jones hit a home run. That was the first two runs. Um, and then for the Red Sox, Ortiz hit a home run in the bottom of the ninth. Only home run, only run of the game for the Red Sox, uh, only one of four hits. That was his 520th of his career, which was a huge thing um, at the time. So at least one good thing came out of the game, but obviously overall, crappy game. You were there, you know it was it was weak, no offense. Uh, Erod struggled, and they lost two out of three of the Orioles. So it's concerning, and you know I was reading some articles afterwards, and yeah, it's just there's no getting around it. We have not played well against the division. We're under 500 against the division, and if we don't play incredibly well the rest of the season, that's going to come back to hurt you. Yeah, absolutely. And you know the game on Thursday that obviously hasn't didn't look like the Red Sox that we have been used to, but. We had been on such a roll, and you got to expect this kind of stuff to happen every now and then throughout the season. We can't win, you know, five out of six games in every series every time. It would be nice if we could, but. Yeah, it's, you're right. Downswings do happen. Teams struggle. They had a great first two months. And, you know, they start off June with a 5-9 and nine record. And it's concerning. The pitching is concerning. Everyone's freaking out because that's Boston. But as long as you don't lose, like, ten games in a row, it's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's hard to be patient with baseball just because things do happen so fast. But for that same reason, for how many games there are, you have to stay patient because you can't base anything off, like, a 10 or 15 game sample size. No, you can't. And, you know, we don't play a whole lot in June, but we still have time to get that record above 500, so. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's easy to jump off a cliff and freak out like everyone does. And it's even easier when you have a show every week to do that, as we do sometimes. But it's just, 
you got to look at the season as a whole so far, and so far it's been good. Yes, it's been a tough month, but it's just you can't freak out. But the division thing is concerning. I can be as optimistic as I want, but just knowing how we have played against the division, we've had ten series in our division this year, and we've only won two of them. Not a bad stat. Yeah, I learned that from an article I read. They're uh, two six and two, so they've won two series, lost six, and split two. That's not good. No, no. That's... No matter how you look at it, it's not good. No, <laughs> I mean, you can't really pull something good out of a two six and two. Yeah, it's so that's my biggest concern. We really need to. You can beat everyone else you want, and that's good. But you got to win the division games because it's close at the end. It's yeah, it's going to come down to that. And our division is close, so that's a concern because <laughs> that's what it is. Especially so. with the Blue Jays heating up in the division out of nowhere, they're just like, "Hi." Yeah, we'll definitely get to that and how they're playing, but it's definitely getting a lot closer up top. Uh, so that was lose two out of three, brought us into uh, Seattle. Another series in Boston, uh, and Friday's game was rough. Got off to a terrible start. Uh, Franklin Gutierrez hit a home run in the first inning, make it 2 nothing before anyone could even sit in their seat. Um, Rowanus Elias started this game. It was his only start as he was sent back to Pawtucket afterwards. He pitched four innings, gave up seven hits and seven runs. We were hoping he'd be the savior. Nick Qualley wrote a uh, <laughs> opinion piece, his first, uh, his first piece for CLMS Radio. Make sure you go check it out in his work because he's new. Um, he wrote that Elias Elias was the best option for the fifth starter, because he did seem like it at the time, but <laughs> after pitching one start and being terrible, not so much. No, and that was, uh, it, I remember just getting the alerts on my phone, just like, Red Sox are down, one nothing, 2 nothing, 8 nothing, 12 nothing. I was like, oh, jeez, <laughs> like, get this guy out of the game. <laughs> not 12 nothing. No, that's not possible. I'm just being dramatic. The rest of it, yeah, no, I, I know, it's, it was bad. It was 7 nothing. Um, Yeah, Gutierrez had a second home run in the third inning to make it 3 nothing, as if Elias didn't figure it out the first time. He didn't figure out the second time either. <laughs> and if he didn't figure out a second time, he didn't figure out a third time either, because Gutierrez had a 2-RBI, sorry, 3-RBI basis-clearing double in the fourth inning to make it 6 nothing. So at that point, it was basically all Gutierrez. So you think maybe the third time around, you might be able to figure out how to pitch to him? Nope. <laughs> Not the case, yeah. So that was rough. Uh, seven nothing after the fourth inning. Sox got a couple runs back. Um, Ortiz had a two-run homer in the fourth. Cano hit a home run to make it eight to two in the seventh. Sox got two back in the seventh, but they couldn't come all the way back. Um, so fortunately, even though this was a loss and a poor game, really bad effort by Elias. Uh, David Ortiz hit his 521st home run of his career, which ties. Frank Thomas, William McCovey, and, most importantly, Ted Williams on the all-time home run list at 19. This guy just keeps breaking the records, doesn't he? He does, and it's nice when there's a game like that one, and he just gives us something to be able to talk about, something positive. So that's nice, and those names that he's up there with, it's just, what can't this guy do in his final season? It's unreal just to be with that that name. It's just like that's That's a mark you think about. Everyone knows, not everyone, every knowledgeable baseball fan knows that Ted Williams hit 521 home runs, and obviously it's incredible how he did it because he missed, like, the prime three or four years of his career right in the middle uh, for war, and he still had 521 home runs. I don't see how he wouldn't be probably the leading home run hitter of all time if he played those years, because those are a lot of big years missed, and he clearly hit a billion home runs since he hit 521. So just even that aside, just to get to that point for Ortiz, is just like, it's kind of mind-boggling just to think about how the fact that you have the same amount of home runs is the best hitter ever. It is, and it's, it's mind-blowing, and he's 40 years old, and he's still just like cranking out home runs left and right and breaking records left and right like he's 30, and he's got 10 more years left in him. Yep, we talked about it with Dan Roche last week. He probably would be MVP of the American League if the season ended now. And no change a week later. Two home runs this week, he's still doing it. It's, you know, at the beginning of the season, we were like, how far can he go with his his home runs and uh, how many can he hit? Like, he was at 503. We were like, oh, was, can he hit 30, you know, 25, 30? What can he get to? Now we're looking at, well, you know what? We we're thinking like, oh, maybe 40. You know, he's he's almost at 20, and it's not even the all-star break yet. I read a stat a couple of days ago that at this point uh, in his in his record-breaking season of 54 in 2006, he had 18 home runs 
six games before he did this season. So he's almost on pace to hit in the 50s, in the mid-50s. And that's incredible to think, like, not only at his age, but, like, he's got sore feet and everything else he's accomplished and just, this is how you go out on top. He's given us no reason to believe that he won't keep this up all season. As much as you can be like, off oh, feet problems, this problem, that problem. It's the middle of June, and he's taking care of his body, and he's still doing it. So he really hasn't given us any reason to believe that he's going to slow down. No, and I, I hope he doesn't. God forbid I hope he stays healthy the entire season, because he's just been so much fun to watch in every game, just a bright spot. And just every week he's giving us something to talk about, so keep it up, Poppy. Yeah, it's really... Really amazing. It's We could talk about it all day long. What he's done has just been absolutely nuts this year. So at least he had a home run in that game. The other bright spot was Sandy Leone had three more hits, and he's hitting 692 this season. Wow. <laughs> he's 9 for 13 in his time up here. It's incredible. I don't know how he's doing this, but he is, so I'm not complaining. No, I'm not, <laughs> not going to complain either. He's been incredible. Way the heck better than Vasquez, so... Sign me up for some more Sandy Leone. No one even expected him to play this year, and he's actually playing a pretty big role right now. So that's really exciting. It's funny. Like, you know, he's playing because of weird injuries to catchers again. And, you know, Swihart and Hannigan around. I know Swihart doesn't catch, but, I mean, if had he, had he not got hurt, I'm sure he would have been somewhere in that catching rotation. But he said somebody who's not supposed to be here, who's producing and doing well, just makes it that much more fun to watch. Yeah, you love the underdog story, and that's just that's just sports for you. You got to be ready. You never, he could be sitting there thinking, "Wow, I'm behind Vasquez, Swihart, and Hannigan. There's no chance I'm playing this season." Boom, June, you're hitting nine for thirteen. You're catching well. You never know what happens. It's crazy. No, and that's like you said. That's what makes it fun, and it, it happened last year with you know Swihart and Hannigan, the whole thing, and yep. <laughs> happening this year. I like I said underdog stories are just my favorite because. It's the underdog. You don't expect them to either play or when they do play, you don't expect them to be around long or even do well, and here we are. And just to know that these guys are sitting there putting the work in, trying to stay ready, even though it appears they have no chance to play. And you got to tip your cap to those players because they have every reason to just hang it up and be like, I have no chance of playing. But they don't. They work hard, they stay ready, and then they take advantage of their opportunity. And that's the kind of player you want on your team. That's why we should keep Sandy Leon. <laughs> I'm right with I'm right there with you. Yeah, it was great. So that brought us into uh, Saturday's game, and now we're sitting here at a one and three week, and starting to get concerned. You know, I've seen a lot of things like, "Wow, this is a like really huge game. Really need to win today." You know, was, and I agreed. I, you know, you don't want to go one and four the first five games of the week. You really start falling. You know, we were falling a little in the standings just because of the the rough start to June. So fortunately. Saturday, yesterday, if you're listening to this on Sunday, um, the Sox actually got down two to nothing in the first two innings. Rick Porcello starting, uh, the Mariners jumped out on the board with a uh, RBI double play and a home run for Adam Lind. The first inning could have been a huge disaster. It was three straight singles to start the game. They had the bases loaded with no outs. Porcello got the double play and then another out, only gave up one run, which turned out to be huge because he just gave up the two runs, and then the offense bailed him out, a Jackie Bradley Jr. home run, Mookie Betts RBI single, Pedroia ground a double play, that gave the Sox a 3-2 lead, Bogart set a home run to make it 4-2, and then they got two more runs later on, Vasquez RBI double, and a uh, score on an error. Sox won 6-2, after the slow start, Porcello really settled in. Went six innings, had six strikeouts, only gave up the two runs. So that was a great – that was just a – you know, Porcello tends to do this if he struggles earlier or struggles a little bit. He still writes the ship and still goes late in the game, and that's why he's one of the more reliable starters because even if he doesn't pitch well, you know he's still going to give you innings and get, get through it. And in terms of this game, pitch really well and give yourself a chance to win, which they did. Yeah, and, you know, I like when regardless of how well or not well a pitcher is pitching, if they can get deep in the game, sixth, seventh, maybe even the eighth inning, giving up two or three runs. We're within those two or three runs. I'll take that over Joe Kelly going three and a third and giving up eight runs. Exactly. Really what it is, like, even if you don't have your game, if you can just dig in and get through five or six innings, that makes a huge difference over, like, two or three innings. You just, you need that longevity, which is what, like you said, uh, Joe Kelly does not give you ever. Nope. One. <laughs> Which is why 
we're both higher on Clay Buckles because he has the capability to, you know, pitch seven innings and give up six runs. Yes, he gave up six runs, but at least he went seven innings, which Kelly can't say. Exactly. So I respect that about Porcello, the fact that he just digs in, changes the game, figures it out. And I've been impressed this year. I mean, yeah, he struggled a couple times, but his ERA is still much lower than last year. He's got a good record. And if I remember correctly, we did our uh, CLNS predictions before the season, and we both predicted Porcello's ERA to be way below uh, the threshold, which was just a little bit lower than last year. I believe the threshold was 4.70. Uh, and so far, we're right. He's been he's been well below that, and we're making everyone look foolish, so let's hear for predictions. I love, I love <laughs> predictions. We're, not, we're doing pretty well this year. Even with our bold predictions and the over-under, we're, we're not bad. Yeah, no, it's... Some good stuff. I definitely encourage everyone to look back at our our prediction segment uh, now that we're a couple months in. It'll be most fun to look at at the end of the season, but so far there's some good predictions going on and some good stuff. I know I predicted Porcello to be the X Factor, and he really has been so far, so <laughs> it's exciting. It's fun, and I'm glad that he pitched well. So that was a huge win, 6-2. to two. Uh, two hits, two more hits for Hanley Ramirez, Bogarts, Vasquez, and Betts all had two hits. Like I said, Bradley, Bo- uh, Bradley and Bogarts at the home run, so that was good. Brought us into Sunday today, and this was the David Price game, uh, second start of the week. He pitched eight innings, eight hits, one run, no walks again, seven strikeouts. Craig Kimbrell pitched a one, two, three, struck out the side in the ninth inning. And the Sox got just enough runs. Uh, Mookie Betts was three for five. He hit a uh, home run in the seventh inning to break a tie, a one-one tie. The Sox had just tied it the inning before on a fielder's choice RBI. Gutierrez had another home run in the fourth inning, the only home run off Price. And although Price pitched really well the last two games, I think the most encouraging thing for me is that he had no walks in either game. Oh, absolutely. And eight innings both games, too. It's definitely something else that's encouraging and not giving up so many runs because that's what he's done so often this season. He's just couldn't get the – not that he didn't get the run support, but he was just giving up too many runs regardless of how many people he struck out. So it's nice to see him going deep into games, not giving up many runs, and like you said, no walks. And then that, that eliminates an extra base runner right there, so that's huge. Yeah, I'm just so encouraged by that because he really struggled with his command earlier in the season. That was my biggest problem with him, obviously the runs, but the command was really, really bothering me. And the fact that he's gone two straight starts without any walks and has 18 strikeouts in those two combined, and obviously the innings pitch, that's that's huge for the bullpen. So he's finally shown up to be the guy that we thought he was going to be. only problem right now is he's given up way too many home runs. Yeah, it's kind of like the, you know, it's not a Rick Porcello start if he doesn't give up a home run, and now that's turning into it's not a David Price start if he doesn't give up a home run. Which I obviously don't want to be like that. Like, oh, it's complaining about one thing, but if you're going to complain about one thing, he has given up too many home runs. So he's given up home runs in every game. It's lost him a couple of games where he's pitched dominantly and just given up that one or two wrong home runs, wrong spot. So it is a concern, but he has been pitching much better and. I'm very excited about that because we really need it at this point. We desperately need it. Yeah, we, we really need an, an ace, and that's why we signed him, and that's why we're paying him so much money. And it's I'll go back to it time and time again. Like, we could have spent less on Johnny Cueto, who's just dominating over with the Giants. Yep, so you want your guy, who you did pay, just to make it pay off for you. Right, like that's. The, the Giants paid for Cueto and to do exactly what he's doing now. We paid for Price to pitch how he pitched today. And I know he's got a, a good record, but his ERA doesn't show it and his hits and the home runs. But I'm very encouraged by his last two starts, and I'm hoping finally, almost halfway through the season, he can build off this and just be the pitcher we know he is. Absolutely. And uh, obviously easy. Uh, uh, the pitching MVP of the week because two starts, two really nice starts, although one was a loss. But either way, he pitched really well. So he's our pitching MVP and our offensive MVP. David Ortiz was 8 for 22, two homers, four RBI, three runs, and even a stolen base today. Uh, so he kind of filled up the, skill, filled up the, uh, the line score quite a bit here uh, for the week. And I think stats aside, the fact that he tied Ted Williams in home runs gives him the automatic nod for MVP because that's amazing. Oh, yeah. And like you said, like we talked about just a few minutes ago, just to be up there with those names, and especially Ted Williams, it's how could he not have MVP? And his stolen base today was just incredible. It was so much fun to watch. Yeah, that was that was good to see. I don't know why he's running at this point in his career, but 
whatever. If he's just enjoying his enjoying his time, then then that's cool with me. So um, definitely Ortiz MVP um, got Slice back on track. Three and three week. Um, we all overshot it just a little bit. I think we all said four and two. You said five and one. Me and Jared said four and two. So it was three and three. You got messed up on the Orioles. You said sweep, and obviously lost two out of three. We all got the Mariners series right, winning two out of three, which is good because it's, you know, winning two out of three from one of the better teams in the league. They're only a couple games behind us. So nice end of the week. Good to see. But it's sad we didn't get to see Wade Miley. I know. I'm, I'm bummed. I, I really enjoyed him last season. And just, you know, he's a good pitcher, and I'm bummed we couldn't see him. But, eh, what can you do? Yeah, he got scratched for shoulder impingement, Joe Kelly much. I know. <laughs> Same exact injury as Kelly, so who knows how long he'll be out. He's CRA is over five this year, so he hasn't pitched that well. But six and three record, it's like David Price syndrome. <laughs> it really is. It's funny when you look at their records in ERAs. It's just weird. Exactly. So it's too bad we were hoping to see him back in uh, back in Fenway Park, and I know he wanted to pitch too, but he couldn't, so that was that. So that recap of the week, the 3-3 three three week, was brought to you by Blue Apron. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. So they set the highest quality standards for the company, uh, family-run farms, fisheries, and rancheries. Uh, whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron's bringing you the best. For less than $10 a meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home cooked meals. They have variety, different meals each week. They're flexible. You can change your delivery schedule or your day, all of that. And they're easy. You get a step-by-step, even for people who have no idea how to cook like me. They make it quite easy, and I just follow the directions and do it. And uh, yeah, we're still going strong with this. The food's great. It's fun to make. It's really awesome. Oh, it's so much fun to make. And um, I had the cod cake sandwiches today, and they were just so good. I don't. I got that lined up for this week too. I can't wait to make oh, it. Oh, you're gonna love it. It's so good. And even my brother will come over now and be like, "Oh, what'd you get from Blue Apron?" And I'll give him some food, and then he'll make it. And he's like, "This is so good." So definitely good and it's fun. And like you said, step by step instructions for people who don't know how to cook. I'm not the best at cooking. I can, but I'm constantly looking at the directions. So it's very helpful for me. Yeah, it's excellent. I know they have directions online, too, if you don't want to use the, the paper. So many people are so internet savvy now, so they make it easy that way. And, yeah, it brings families together. you got your brother doing it. Um, my fiance's mom and sister, they got their subscription, and now they're making food. So she's learning at 14 years old how to cook. So it's really awesome for everybody, and it's made a huge difference and will continue to make a huge difference. So if you guys want to get your – eel as they did you can head over to blueapron.com slash red Sox beat get two free meals with free shipping and you can eat all these awesome meals that we keep telling you about and showing you each week on social media and talking about it on the show so you'll love how good it feels how good it tastes and how fun it is to make so head over to blueapron.com slash red Sox beat blue apron a better way to cook all high praise from here so that's pretty exciting stuff make sure you check that out so let's get some Red Sox news here. Um, I think we'll definitely start with uh, Rusney Castillo was put on waivers. I didn't know it was going to fall that to that far, but they don't even willing to give him a chance at this point. Seventy-two million dollars of absolutely nothing, and he's gone. I'm pretty unbelievable. Yeah, I don't. I think he. I don't think anyone's going to claim him off waivers, and then I think he gets outright to the minors if he doesn't get claimed, which he probably won't. But like you said, he's not. They're not giving him a chance, and I think it's because. A, he's proven that he sucks, and B, we don't we don't need him. And we have, you know, Chris Young, and we have Swihart, who hopefully will be back in August. So we we don't need him as a backup plan. And it's just it's you know he's only 27 or 28, so it's a shame that he's young and he couldn't produce what we thought he would. But this is what happens when you can't live up to your hype. Essentially, all he's done this year is pinch run. <laughs> yeah. He started two games, he's pinch run, and that's literally it. He's done absolutely nothing. When Brock Holt comes back, he'll slide in there. Like you said, Chris Young, Swihart, is just he's just like so far down on the list, and I guess they were tired of waiting. It's, what I don't get, please please shed some light on this for me, please. <laughs> How can you 
see this guy play in Cuba, be sold enough on him to pay him $72 million, and have him not even be able to hit the majors. Where is that difference? Where's, where's that drop-off come from? I wish I wish I knew. I wish I could shed some light on this for you, but I, I can't because it's almost like when like – I'll go back to Dice K. He was so good in Japan, and not that he wasn't great here. I mean, he had one – pretty good season when he was 18 and 2 but not even close to as good as he was in Japan no and then he just the drop off it just kind of happened and I just I can't wrap my head around how you can be good in Cuba Japan or even AAA but you can't be good like here yeah it's like it's one thing to be slightly worse because obviously it's a little bit harder to play here especially in terms of like Daisuke he was just like the king there and comes here and has command problems not throwing his pitches right. He's trying to be too perfect. But someone like Castillo, like you over there, you watch you watch him play, and you think he's worth all that. It's like I guess the leagues are incredibly different. I'm not sure, but just I feel like usually with these guys, they make somewhat of the right decision, and they're like, "Oh, this guy's pretty good," and they come here, and at least they get the job done somewhat. You know, Jonas Cespedes, like he's done well here. Like usually they don't miss so bad, but I don't know what Charrington was looking at or what was happening. But they just totally missed on this one. It's just crazy how normally they get this stuff right, and just to be so off on this that he can't even like last a season of starting. Like he's literally done nothing. It's unbelievable. No, and he's been he's given a chance because you know we needed him to step up, and I don't know why he just can't get it together. And especially with all that money, and I, that's a huge reason why no one's going to claim him. Nobody wants that to take on that that liability no. of a contract. Especially knowing how bad he is. <laughs> yeah. And and the thing that everyone keeps bringing up, like he's already 28. It's not like he's this 21 year old like getting his feet wet. He's going to improve. He's already almost. He's already almost in his 30s. He's not going to get better at this point. He's played several years in Cuba. He knows what to do. And he keeps saying like the right things, like oh I'll, I'll get better. I'm confident and I'll play. But we're not seeing any results. No, and he said he's in that upper 20s. He's not 21, 22 when he can get it together. This is when you start. Either we know you're going to be really great or you're going to be really bad. And I'm sorry, but Castillo is just going to be really, really bad. He needed to come here and make an immediate impact and be like a really good, solid player. That's what he needed to do at this age. There's no like time to coddle and be like, okay, we'll get you here in three or four years. We'll just work your way up the minors. Like It's going to be okay. No, they wanted to come right here, be really good immediately, and make a huge difference. And he just clearly was not even close to capable of that, which is really sad. I didn't. I didn't even know he was gonna get put on waivers this fast. I thought they were give him a little more chance, but I guess they decided having him be a pitch runner was pretty much useless. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm surprised with the move, but and obviously it, it it needed to happen, and just another way, just one way to get rid of him. Yeah, exactly. So they did it, and good on them for just making a decision and not prolonging the pain. <laughs> so, so that's the biggest news of the week. Uh, the second biggest news, definitely. Um, at least for us. Uh, Clay Buckholtz is back in the rotation now. Uh, Elias was sent back to Triple A after his horrendous start that we talked about earlier. Um, so Buckholtz is starting Tuesday. Eduardo Rodriguez is Wednesday. They're giving him an extra bullpen day because he's been pitching so poorly. So now all of a sudden after Elias pitched and after Rodriguez has pitched, Clay Buckholtz looks like a pretty good option, doesn't he? Sure does. And I know we've talked about the, talked about this through uh, throughout the week why he'd be a better option and why we wanted him. And I know that, you know, the other writers who write for write for you strongly, strongly disagree. And I know Jared disagrees as well, but I really hope he comes out and just kind of shows that he, he took the bullpen demotion and he learned from it and he's going to gain some confidence from it. I, I just, I really want to see him do well because I just, I want to talk so positively about him. It'd be so nice for his confidence and for fans' confidence, and to shut everyone up if he just came out and made like three or four like really solid starts. You know, six or seven innings, three runs or less. Like really, really gave the team what they need, especially at this point where where uh, a lot of the pitchers are struggling. So really a huge time for him. He doesn't usually deal with pressure well, but he is due for his good stretch of the season. He hasn't gotten hurt yet, so let's just put that in the back burner. No need to get hurt. He pitched terribly so far, so it's a perfect opportunity to just come right out here and uh, and pitch a really good three or four starts, and that would go a long way. It would, and you know I really think 
that it, it is the right move. I don't know who else they'd put in his spot, especially if they send Elias back down to AAA and then giving Erod the extra day. And even, you know, Rodriguez hasn't looked good at all. And with the, the worst that, you know, Elias pitched and Rodriguez pitches, it makes Buckles look that much better. I know. Because you have a little time to forget about his bad ERA, what's happened so far, and now knowing that he's had success in the past, you're like, well, it's bound to be better than what's happening now. And I know the argument that we were making with our group was that he's got the capability to go longer in games, which Kelly and Elias don't seem to have. And at this point, Erod doesn't have either, not this year at least. No, and on Thursday, he just did not look confident. He didn't look good, and I don't know if it's him not trusting his knee or if it's he's not fully recovered from it, or maybe he's just not a good pitcher that we thought he was. But I, Maybe he just ran into luck with his first year and people not knowing like how he threw and stuff like that. Right, so who knows, but I hope he can, hope he can get it together because I, I think he can be good. Yeah, I certainly don't want to give up on him yet by any means, but it's just like at this point, you know, I was reading a Boston Globe article on him. It's just he's yeah he's changes he's changed delivery like several times this year he's just like lost focus at times and just like kind of thrown a couple bad pitches seems like he's like his head's not in the game and he's just like they think he might be tipping his pitches again which was a huge problem last year several times so just I don't know it's something mental with him like are we gonna have Clay Buckholtz point two here 2.0 here with with uh, Erod because as much as I love Buckholtz obviously. Erod supposedly had a higher ceiling, and that would be kind of a pain if he turned to that as well. Oh, God, we don't, you know, as much as I, you know, am an advocate for Buckles, I don't want another one on this team. We we have one, and I want solid, consistent pitching. But I can see this going down that path if he keeps losing focus and tipping his pitches and that kind of stuff. It's not, that's not good. No, not at all. <laughs> So I'm glad he's getting the extra day off, see if he can make her figure out a little bit of his stuff and with uh with Carl Willis on his off days. Hopefully Clay can come in, turn into good outing. So it's important. I mean, towards the beginning of the week, Tuesday and Wednesday, two really big question marks could be two big losses if uh if they don't get their act together. So it's definitely a big a big two starts and uh it's definitely something everyone's gonna be watching for because the spotlight's on now. <laughs> yep, and um Looking forward to Buckles' start and our group going a little crazy depending on how he starts. So I'm excited for that. Absolutely. It'll be fun. So we'll look forward to that. A um, couple injury notes. Blake Swihart's out six to eight weeks, um, which obviously is going to impact the trade deadline. And then Brock Holt was being reevaluated. He's been out for quite a while with this concussion. You know, supposedly seven days at the beginning, and now it's turned into quite a bit more than that. So kind of concerning with both your outfield things there but yeah it's with with Swihart um it's got to impact the the uh deals the Sox can make we talked about a little about last week but just with uh losing your trade pieces with him he is a good trade piece even though we probably want to keep him but um how do you see that impacting it with him still not coming back oh it's definitely a huge factor I don't think anyone I mean I'll be surprised if he's gone at the deadline just because you know severe ankle sprain they said six to eight weeks at least. That could be more. So, I mean, hopefully he'll be back in August. But he was on fire and just doing everything right for this team and proving that he's the catcher. But we threw him in the outfield, and he was playing really well, especially, you know, left field. We saw Hanley in left field and how awful that was. So to see somebody be able to just get thrown in there after being a catcher was positive And just he was upping his trade value. And as much as I – don't want don't want to see him go. I don't want to see him go because he's injured. But it's going to be a huge impact because he's young, he's diverse, and he can obviously hit. So to have that get taken out of possible trade, um, whether that's him and a handful of prospects or just him for someone else, it's it's huge. Yeah, definitely. It's 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 tough, and obviously injuries always complicate things with. <laughs> With these kinds of things, injuries are always a problem, and people lose jobs because of injuries and all the other things that happen because of it. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of what happens here in the next 
month with, in terms of that. Uh, somebody else we wanted to cover a little bit was Andrew Benintendi, who was Sox draft pick a couple of years ago. Kind of like in Mookie Betts' fashion, he's been destroying the minor leagues. Um, you kind of brought up the question, could he be with the Red Sox next year, or could this be two years out? What do you see in his future? Um, I mean, if he keeps this up, I can definitely see next year, at least you know, bringing him up for a little bit, maybe towards the end of the season or maybe the beginning of the season just to see where he kind of fits in. Or, I mean, who knows? Maybe we trade a couple players and we need him next year because, you know, thinking forward to next year, Hanley's going to be the DH. Maybe we need to make some shift changes here. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see him a little bit next year, but I think it's more realistic two years out. Yeah, I don't see any need to rush him. If he's that good, keep letting him roll through the minors, get his confidence up. You know, there's not an immediate need for him. So I say two years probably makes the most sense in terms of that. But what do I know? <laughs> you know nothing. That's right. I know nothing. So we'll see what happens. Um, one other thing we wanted to get to, um, kind of Red Sox e, um, but a little breaking out a little bit, is the uh, American League East. I know we talked about how we haven't played well against the American League East, but the Toronto Blue Jays have been really picking it up recently. They now have the same amount of wins as the Red Sox at 39. The Sox are 39 and 29, and they are uh, 39 and 33. They've played four more games. Uh, Orioles are on top by a game at 40 and 28. But the Yankees are 34 and 35, just hanging right there a little behind, and then the Rays are 31 and 36. It's getting pretty tight, and Toronto's heating up. We know that they were mostly picked as the team that would win the division earlier on. Haven't looked like it so far, but they're really heating up, so it's kind of becoming wide open at this point. Yeah, it's becoming a really fun division, you know. First it was Red Sox and Orioles, and then the Toronto kind of just fizzled out, and now all of a sudden they're heating back up, and it it's it's always, I mean, it's always a fun division. I like when these games are, or divisions are close and they're tight. It makes for, especially you know, August, September, and even October just makes it for so much more fun baseball to watch. Yeah, you always want close divisions, and it's kind of the case for a lot of them here. Um, the, the Central is quite is quite close, too. Um, Indians are 38-30, and 30, Royals are 38-31, and 31, Tigers 34-35, and 35, and most surprisingly, the White Sox are 33-36. and 36. Unbelievable how far they've fallen. Oh, I mean, it's... I think... I don't. I can't remember if I picked them to even. I think I may have picked them to like go into the playoffs. I can't. I can't remember now, but I feel like I did. And such such a disappointment for them with their pitching and them. Just a disappointment. Yeah, it sure looked good earlier on, but uh, <laughs> now they've fallen so far off. Their record's been really bad, considering they were like the best team in the league uh, at the beginning. Now they're just garbage. So which is good because the Sox are playing their next for four games. Um, and then the West is not close because the Rangers have all of a sudden won eight of the last ten, six in a row, and they're 45 and 25. Where did that come from? Uh, I don't even know. And I just I remember before we started recording, I said that. I was like, wait, that doesn't even sound right. And, yeah, I didn't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, then I like, double-checked, and I was like, wow, it, it, they are 45 and 25. And it's weird. You know, you're not hearing much talk about that. It's a lot you're hearing about the Cubs and obviously they have an amazing record. They're doing really well. And I just feel like, I mean, I, I had no idea the Rangers were doing that great. So they're obviously not being talked about. If I just had no idea they were that good. Yeah. And the Sox are playing them later in the week. So this is a, a big deal that they're on fire that they, they're all of a sudden eight and a half games up in their division over the Mariners. Uh, and the Astros and the angels are, a little farther behind, so yeah, a lot of divisions have kind of kind of flipped around here recently. It's definitely fun at this point, um, but yeah, should be should be fun in the next uh, next little while here to see kind of where the standings are in a month when the uh, when the trade deadline starts to hit, because obviously a lot more can change in a month. So we'll definitely see what happens there. Uh, we want to hit on some MLB headlines here. Um, couple suspensions for the Jordano Ventura Manny Machado mess. Uh, Ventura originally got nine games and he was moved down to eight. Machado dropped his four-game appeal for his four-game suspension. He will serve it. Um, 
Do you think that was right? I mean, Fetcher threw it, Machado, he charged the mound, they got in a fight. Are those suspensions accurate? Uh, it's, I don't know. I mean, I've watched it a couple of times, and I, I part of me thinks it's kind of backwards. I mean, Machado's the one who threw the punch right in his face, and for, I know it's, it was originally nine, nine games, but now it's eight, so he'll miss two starts, but I mean, I I feel like they kind of went hard on on Ventura because I I feel like any other suspensions it's been you know five games so they can miss that one start or it's I, I feel like it's a little high. Yeah, I know it's easier with pitchers because you can be like, well, you missed that many games, but it's only a certain amount of starts as as opposed to the hitters where you're you know missing every game. So that's interesting, but yeah, I feel like it should have been more equal because they both had a part in it. I'm not really sure why Venturi gets double. It just doesn't make sense to me. No, it, it doesn't. It's weird. I, especially if, you know, because Machado was the one who really threw that punch right into his face, so. Yeah, I agree. So, a little weird on that, but those are their suspensions. Uh, probably the most important news was Ichiro surpassed Pete Rose with 4,257 career hits. Obviously, nearly uh, like a couple hundred over a thousand were uh, in Japan, 1,278 to be exact. Um, I know a lot of people are like, "Oh, screw Pete Rose, let's give, let's give that to uh, Ichiro all time." But you can't compare Japan in here. You can't, and you know, we touched on this briefly, like with Dice K. You know, sometimes it's different. Maybe you're a little better over there. Not that Ichiro is not a good player; he's an amazing player, but he's and he surpassed Pete Rose total, yes, but you know, I agree with people saying that Pete Rose is still like the hit king. So you you can't like you said you can't compare it. And 1,200 hits that's a lot of hits. If he had you know two or three hundred over in Japan, maybe it'd be different. But that that's a lot of hits that he had over there. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say the same thing. If it's like 200 or 300, like okay, now we can talk a little bit. But over a thousand hits, that's a huge difference. I mean, you can't. I know Pete Rose is like, who can't compare those numbers? And I mean, he's right. You can't. It's just, you know, give each Rose 3,000 hits and in, in uh, here, not in Japan, and that's totally valid. And he's obviously one of the best hitters. <laughs> in the US as well but yeah in terms of like all time hits it's just you can't do you can't compare those so if anyone's trying to do that kind of pointless because it's just not not comparable um Tim Lincecum started his first game in several years uh for the Angels first team he's pitched for besides the Giants um and he pitched incredibly well got him a win really solid fun to watch him pitch well I kind of wanted the Sox to get him honestly I know I said that when it happened but nice for him that he can pitch well anywhere because he could have been done, basically. Yeah, and it's nice to see him come back because he was very solid with the Giants and, you know, winning the championships with them. And, it, you know, they call him a freak for a reason, and he was always fun to watch. I was always a fan of him. So it's nice to see that he was able to go, I think he went six innings, and nice to see him bounce back. I don't think he's going to be, like, what he once was. Of course not, but um, it was definitely nice to see him back on the mound and pitching for the same state so he didn't have to go too too far yeah no, it's a good situation for him and it's pretty fun pretty fun that he can come back and pitch well so good for Tim Lentz to come uh David Wright undergoing neck surgery for the Mets shouldn't he just retire god he's gotten so many injuries the last couple of years I think he should and I think he spent he was hurt earlier this season too wasn't he and Mm-hmm. And I think I think he should just hang up with cleats and say bye. Yeah, he's had a good career, and he's just prolonging at this point, and he's just, at this point, not doing anything. He's injured so many injuries, so many years of injuries. He's missed several full seasons for back back surgery, I know, things like that. So it's, at a certain point, man, sorry, you can think, think about as many comebacks as you want, but as you keep getting older and older and having more injuries, at a certain point, you're just kind of, Delaying the inevitable, and you might as well just do it. <laughs> and especially uh, neck injuries and neck surgeries. It's, that's, I mean, any surgery is tough to come back from, but you know, your neck, you shouldn't really be screwing around with that. No, definitely not. And uh, one more note in the majors: uh, the Cubs are forty-six and twenty, which is best in the major leagues. They've been the best in the major leagues so far. 
Jared's looking pretty smart here with his World Series pick. But then again, this could very well be a season like the 2001 Seattle Mariners when they went 116-46 and and then lost to the Yankees in the playoffs, didn't even get to the World Series. You never know, but... That keeps what I, I keep comparing to that because they're kind of on pace for a season like that with 116 wins, which is absolutely nuts. But as we know, regular season does not always mean a whole lot. No, it doesn't, and it, it's they've been really fun to watch. And of course, I love John Lester, John Lackey. You know, it's nice to see Theo Epstein be successful with this club. But you know, they could be 46 and 46, 26 was it? 46, 46 and 46 20. 20 to today and then a month from now so much can change in a month they can be 48 and 48 you know yeah exactly i mean i want to root for them so many former red sox players and executives and everything i just i don't want to get too excited yet because i know that you can have an incredible regular season it can all be gone in the blink of an eye in a couple a week or two in the playoffs so not that it will be i mean they're totally lined up to do well considering they have incredible pitching like they have what you need to win in the playoffs just you never know so maybe they'll keep doing well i'm really interested to see what they get for a final record because if they do get somewhere between like 100 and 116 like that's getting close to historical historical numbers so i'm i'm excited to see where they end this season yeah me too it'll be fun cuz i'm almost positive i left them out of the playoffs this entire season <laughs> Whoops! <laughs> hey, you can't get them all right. Can't win them all. No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get to our predictions. Um, our final final segment here on Red Sox beat this week. Um, Jared Scalia's show. Hopefully, we've done a decent job in uh, in filling in. Well, not filling in. We do the show too, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Um, the Sox have seven games this week. Very busy week. Four at home versus the White Sox, three in the road versus the Rangers. As we said, the White Sox have completely fallen off the map, and they're now three games under 500. And the Rangers, as opposed, are gone on a huge tear and are now 45 and 25, as we said, even though it's unbelievable. So, with that being said, four against the White Sox. How do you see this season playing out? Um, I see them taking three or four from them, and you know, like you said, they've fallen off. They haven't been doing too well. I am a little concerned about facing Chris Sale, uh, and then also um, I want to have the confidence in Buckholes. Uh, of course, he worries me going on the mound, but between Chris Sale, Clay Buckholes, I, I think we're going to lose one game. Yeah, fair enough. I got a splitting, which is a little low for me usually. Normally, I'd be saying three out of four or a sweep, but I don't know. Something about the series, I feel like it's like a, you know the team's been struggling a little bit. Um, the White Sox are going to be looking for some wins, so it wouldn't surprise me to see to see a split, which would be weird. But yeah, the uncertainty in the pitching, and obviously Chris Sale is really good. So and David Price pitched today, so he won't be pitching in the series. So some part of me feels like it will be a split, which wouldn't be bad. But obviously, three out of four a sweep would be much better. Uh, that brings us into the Rangers series. What do you got in the Rangers series? Uh, I got something a little low for me, too. Um, they're going to lose two out of three just because they're so good. They're, the Rangers are just absolutely incredible. And I, I, I don't see us taking more than one. I don't think we're going to get swept, but I think we'll take one from them. But still, overall, four and three week, I'll take it against you know two division teams and Regardless of how not good Chicago is at this point, I'll take four and three week over a team that has forty five wins. Don't forget the time that the White Sox were good. <laughs> there was a time. They were the best team in the league yeah. just a mere short month ago or so. But yeah, um, totally fair for the Rangers. I know they're they're uh, playing extremely well right now. Um, for some reason, I'm picking us to sweep the Rangers. I don't know what got into me. Wow. But. Some things, sometimes crazy things happen in in, in uh, baseball, and I wouldn't be surprised if the Sox, angry that they split with the White Sox, came out, played a really good series against the Rangers, cooled them off a little bit. Five and two week, that'd be really big. So I'm going to sweep with the Rangers. Call me crazy, but when it happens and we talk next Sunday, then we'll talk about it. I'm gonna call you very crazy because that's very bold, but that's what makes the prediction segment fun. Yeah, it can't be too, so boring every week, pick the same thing. I know we've had a lot of weeks where we pick the same thing, so I'm switching it up a little bit. You, you sure did switch it up. Never hurt anybody. No. All right, that will do us here. 
do it here for us at Red Sox Beat. Um, definitely want to encourage everyone again to uh, subscribe to Red Sox Beat Podcast on iTunes Stitcher. Leave a rating and review. Love to know how the show is going. Um, once again, this was brought to you by Loot Crate. Great deals. And uh, over there, you can get your, get your deal that I told you about at the beginning. $3 off. LootCrate.com slash CLNS. And uh, make sure you check that out. Check out CLNS and Red Sox Beat on Twitter. Like I said, Bob Halloran coming up next week. Jared Scally will be back. Hope you enjoyed this show. For Lauren Campbell, I'm Jess Thomas. And have a great week of seven games of Red Sox baseball. Good night.